the main switch. Sawona Saicheni, welcome to the main switch. How are you doing this morning? Everybody has a story to tell. And among Fundam Nalana, yeah. you, you will verify for us the information. You know, they tell us that you're an actor, director, producer, writer. But before that, obviously, you know, there were some challenges that, that you had to go through. And in Yuzabati, one of them was leaving school. T- talk to us. What is your story, actually? Where were you born? And how did you even get into this whole industry? Yeah, man. Um, again, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a while since someone called me Simon. Oh. And white people still continue <laughs> calling me Simon. You're taking me back to... Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's just a dark right now. Yeah, let's just, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm excited, you know. My story, I'll be very succinct. Um, it's the story of a young man who was born in Soweto, oh, um, okay. grew up there, and then during apartheid time, I'm revealing my age, man. Ah, um, no. <laughs> it's fine, you've been on yeah, our screens, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, Growing up in Dini, there was a lot of um, theater activities. We used to have um, theater groups that were competing and this performing and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the bug for acting from when I did me in Shawela, there's a place called Triple C, sure. um, which is Shawela Community Center. There's a gentleman by the name of Steve Odipulu there. I was going um, to school at um, Rashuma High School. And I would go after school to Triple C, um, and then Upati for basically the guy that really gave me this chance. So then, so had an had an eye with this guy is something special. Oh, but yeah, mm-hmm. to cut a long story short, yeah, I started there, and I went to the market theater laboratory. I went to the tech. I came, but back then it was TWR, managing as exposure food. Now it's UJ, and then yeah. I think I went. I worked at South African Airways whilst I was an actor at Prison City. Oh wow! Um, and my writing basically started there off at Prison City, and I was like, okay, I think there's there's certain things that could be done with the story here. Yeah. Um, and a gentleman by the name of Colin Nkiwa had an ear, uh, gave me his ear, mm. gave me his ear, and yeah, and he gave me a big shot to show what about this heist. Oh yes. Sure. Okay. Yes, which I was one of the leads there. And, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mark, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it just, yeah, my career sort of like took off from there. Because nice. after uh, I left SAA, and then it bomb, bomb shelter productions took me in. Um, I was one of the writers and the storyline that created is Tembi. So, Miss Tembi oh, went to his buyer's oh, writing nice. room. And yeah, um, once I was with Bayer's writing room, a lady by the name of Desrima Khaf said to me, you know, you fit the brief for a guy called Saddam. We just want him to come and just do two calls. Do two calls for us. Two calls became three seasons. That was honestly my favorite, man. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to know this, and I think a lot of people also want to know, right? Out of all the characters that you've ever played, Ngati Yip, that was the most challenging for you because you make it seem so easy eh? yes <laughs> listen outside of playing mrs linda and um doing with them dum 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 it's a few a lot of challenges no ways um, no because ways. Um, i've always played serious roles mm. uh, and i always thought of myself as a person struggles with comical timing mm-hmm. but having someone as amazing as mrs linda playing you know it was yeah. You know, it, it's such a broad more pair, right? You know, people would say, 
you know, I had amazing co-stars, but uh, truthful actors will tell you what made it more difficult was the fact that I was surrounded by very talented people. Sure. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, only the late Menzo Gubane, Abdul, who's am- doing amazing things on the wife right yeah. now, or Charles Pasha. So when you are surrounded by, like, you feel like you're going to be five. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're like, shoof. Guys, I mean, But yeah, what was, was a bit challenging. But I must say, the character that really, really challenged me the most was um, a character by a number, number, the, the TV series ah, Armstrong. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy was tough because um, he was he was a cold-blooded killer. I mean, I remember I broke down after I did a scene where we locked in young girls in a van and ooh, Armstrong had to bend them alive. Mm. Mm. And I didn't realize how much that affected me until I got home and I started crying and I didn't know why. And a part of me was excited because, I mean, these are things that you learn about when you, when you do um, training for yes. acting. You know, they tell you, we teach you how to step in, but you, you have to find out. your own, own way out to step Yeah, own <laughs> character. Yeah, so when you cry, you're like, oh, it's happening. Phew. That's oh, right, happening. So it, I'm in. Now, <laughs> now, yeah, now this is performance. Yeah, yeah. It and I just become emotional about the scene that I just did. It means, yeah, now I'm into it. Yeah, that means now you've committed yourself fully to the work. The Makikanyuba Foundation was founded uh, in uh, 2011. Okay. Uh, yes, and the aim is to basically promote uh, art and culture and the performing arts. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and we are, and also to use the arts, you know, as um, a vehicle for social advocacy. Um, also, empowering young people, you know, with their performing arts skills. Okay, okay, and mm-hmm. and, and how have um, you been affected by the pandemic? Oh man, the, you know, you know, I think the hardest hit you know in the in um by the pandemic is the uh, the creative industry right because we are you know people um dependent uh industries you know um and we we, we basically thrive on you know i mean if you look at the, how the um music concerts were affected you know the mm. theaters were affected and um Basically, I mean, a lot of artists found themselves, you know, living way below below the breadline, if not, you know, you know, almost on starvation. Ndatasello, mm, mm. mm-hmm. uh, thank you very much for taking the time, you know. Um, I was actually watching the podcast and chill interview with Mac G. Uh, should we just keep it at Ndate? Because I, I, I remember you mentioned there that you hated it when they used to call you Angele or, <laughs> or anything like that. Well, you are going to experience that transition at some point. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so you have to embrace it. <laughs> you know, you're going to, you know, because at the moment you still, you know, you're, you're young and you yes. just, you, you, you still well, you think that you're going to stay that way. Yeah. Your spirit will stay young, but before it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was a beautiful interview. We definitely learned a lot, personally, myself. Um, mm. Now, drivers of GBV are the factors which lead to and perpetuate GBV. Ultimately, gender-powered inequality rooted in patriarchy is the primary driver of gender-based violence. How do we, as people, change that narrative, and Dr. 
Look, I mean, it's going to be men who are, who are actually going to be at the forefront, who have to be at the, at the forefront of this. Definitely. You know, because we are, you know, the perpetrators. Mm, mm. You know, I mean, gender-based violence, I mean, I can almost equate it with racism. Mm. You know, racism is basically a white people's problem. Definitely. You know, and uh, people who are actually going to change the, 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 you know, the scenario are actually going to be white people. They've mm-hmm. got to change their attitudes, you know. And I think the same applies with um, gender-based violence and patriarchy, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Men have got to change their attitudes and men have got to be deep inside of themselves. Mm-hmm. What is it that makes them to feel like they have to have power over the the, the, the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, the same applies with racism. You know, what is it that about white people think that they are superior to other races? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And men have this kind of thing. So, you know, if you are a black woman, basically you suffer double, uh, you know, yep. uh, uh, you know, oppression. Mm-hmm. Because on one hand, you're being oppressed by your man, and then on the other hand, you're going to be oppressed by the white man. Mm. You know, and I think that doesn't make sense. And as black people, we've got to start looking at our environment. And black men, you know, mostly, you know, uh, and we've got to realize that, that, that we are in the state that we are in at this present moment because somehow black men lost the fight with white people when they came to South Africa, when yes. they came to South Africa. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And instead of directing our energies in the right, um, you know, in a direction where we are going to regain our dignity, mm. you know, we are too, I think we are just too scared. Yeah, yeah. You know, to take order, the, the, you know, like take on the fight. So men, basically, we really have got to introspect very, very, very deeply, mm. you know, and uh, make sure that we, we you know, um, win back our self-dignity, uh, regain it, and uh, wa- and even regain self-love. Mm. You know, if you love yourself, you know, you, you give what you have. Mm, mm. And I think there is a certain, uh, an element of lack of self-love in men. You know, that is why, and that lack, you know, translates itself in anger, in you know. Yeah. Mm. The Main Switch, every weekday from 7 to 9 a.m. Only on VAW FM 88.1.